1: Welcome, 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 everybody, to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And I'm excited today because I was over at the Austrian uh, Economics Conference, the 10th annual Austrian Economics Conference in Vienna, before Vienna decided to lock down harder than anything you've ever seen in any other country as far as COVID protocols go. And I had the great pleasure of meeting a man who's joining me today, who I was fascinated to hear is a member of the Croatian parliament. Steven Bartulica is here with me. Steven, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, and thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you very much for the invite, Brian. This is exciting for me. It's my first big-time podcast uh, in America. So thank you very much. (laughs) Well,
1: well, hopefully it's late there. So hopefully you're drinking some whiskey to calm the nerves. You know, it's early where I am. (laughs) I didn't have anything in my coffee just yet. 7 p.m. here, yeah. (laughs) There you go. That's perfect drinking hour. (laughs) Well, Stephen, so tell us a little bit. You know, you and I had met at the Austrian Economics Conference, uh, which was fantastic, you know, put together by the Austrian Economic Center in Vienna, uh, as well as Foundation Basis and uh, our friend uh, Federico, and of course, Barbara Combs. Wonderful. So we had a, a, a really fascinating time. And for me, it was amazing to see compared to what we have here in the United States, which is where you originally are from. It was fascinating to see how many people from all over Europe were gathered there, the intellectual heft they brought, the economic success that they brought. I mean, what was your impression of it? And was that your first conference or had you been going for a few years?
0: Yeah, thanks. It it was a great event. It wasn't my first time. Uh, I've been uh, cooperating with Barbara and her team in in Vienna for many years now. Um, Mm -hmm. The annual uh, free market roadshow that they sponsor uh, comes to Croatia uh, every year. I host that event, and it's uh, oh, wonderful! It's a great privilege, um, and and that that whole um, road show has been growing. More and more cities uh, take part. So I, I've been involved with that for about ten years. Um, I've been I'm originally from Missouri, so your viewers should know I, I grew up just north of Kansas City, on the border uh, of Missouri and Kansas. You've hometown. lost
1: whatever Missouri accent you might have had, by the way. That's what everyone tells me. That's what everyone tells me.
0: My, my hometown is St. Joseph, Missouri. It's the most famous thing that happened in St. Joe is that Jesse James was killed. Uh, oh, well.
1: that's, that's <laughs> my
0: um,
1: Well, at least it's something. It's
0: more than many cities could claim, right? Is. And and by the way, for your viewers in California, the Pony Express uh in the mid 19th century a uh, mail by horseback it started in St. Joe and finished in yeah. Sacramento I believe so there you that's go the other, that's the other historical um uh point no the um the event was very good and I'm very pleased that we met um Barbara Colm has been a leading voice for a sound economic policy in Austria um it's uh, it's tough going because uh, the country uh, unfortunately has a lot of socialist thinking still uh, yeah. in in its, in its political elites, especially in the city of Vienna. Unfortunately, so she knows more about that than I do. But unfortunately, Croatia isn't much different. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was initially uh, attracted to this because I saw um, this um, uh, this readiness to you know take on. The, uh, the left and this creeping, um, you know, big government um, attitude that's been uh, growing, unfortunately, in, in Europe. Croatia is a bit different. Uh, we had uh, in the 90s, uh, you know, the collapse of former Yugoslavia and with that, of course, communism. So uh, it was, for me, a rare um, historical Moment, because rarely do you have in history a time when uh, freedom, uh, almost overnight, in a, in a miraculous way, um, grows for for uh, for people. Usually, it's the other way around. So the fact that the communists gave up power uh, in most places peacefully is very unusual when we look at the uh, human experience and so mm-hmm. i saw that as a uh, as a you know great sign of um, hope and uh, i came over to croatia in 1992 and uh, i've been living here more or less uh, ever since uh, i reside here in zagreb and i uh, the reason i've been cooperating with the vienna circle is uh, my my uh, think tank has been uh, promoting these uh, same uh, Austrian based uh, economic policies for some time now um we're a, you know i would say a, a conservative outfit that is uh, focused on limited government uh protecting the the family but also um you know we're we're pushing for less regulation uh, lower taxation etc and we see obviously a big problem in the european union because countries like germany are obsessed with um, in uh, with standardizing these uh, policies at the European level, where, uh, in other words, uh, Croatia, as a small country, um, would lose its uh, its fiscal uh, its mm-hmm. freedom to uh, you know have its own fiscal policy, tax policy. Uh, our government now is uh, keen on introducing the euro by next year. And uh, that doesn't mean just losing your monetary uh, sovereignty. It also means uh, potentially losing, uh, you know, the levers uh, of government that control fiscal policy as well.
1: Right. Well, it's interesting because I know that recently people had adopted this corporate international minimum wage or minimum tax level as well, which, to your point, when I looked at that, I said, OK, well, they're basically just you know, completely obliterating smaller countries' abilities to take advantage of lower taxes for corporations to lower more econ- uh, economic benefit there. And to your point with this overarching regulation, it's it's the exact same thing. And it just does seem that these larger countries are running roughshod over people in smaller nations. And yet you do see people make these arguments to the contrary, that there's only benefit to the EU, despite the fact that how many people in the EU are just, they're elected without representation in, you know, it's like, how many people does Croatia have in the EU advocating for them versus all these other massive countries? It just is mind boggling. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're, we are uh, an interesting case because our, um recent history at least 20th century history was uh very um unfortunate and we mm. uh after world war one lost any type of political uh independence up until that time we were part of the uh Hung- austro hungarian uh empire but we had some uh i would say um autonomy and we were part of the western world generally speaking after world war one it was basically downhill uh, after World War II, it got even worse with uh, communism being enforced here, and so Croatia wanted badly to, you know, move away from this um, traumatic past and join the European Union, like many other countries in uh, Central and Eastern Europe after uh, communism's collapse. Uh, the problem is that um, you know the country is now basically immersed in uh, in the Bur- Brussels. Uh, bureaucratic machine and uh, our leading politicians lack the uh, vision and i would say uh, fortitude to push back on some of these policies it's much easier for them to go along uh, with mm-hmm. what the uh, you know older members and richer members of the uh, eu say and this brings me to uh you know this push for um you know, harmonizing uh, tax policy, fiscal policies at the EU level. We have this uh, post-COVID um, recovery plan, which is more or less uh, financed through um, borrowing uh, at mm-hmm. the EU level. And this is unprecedented. So the EU as a uh, entity is for the first time uh, issuing uh, bonds and raising money for its uh, programs, that and this money will be repaid um, all the way to 2058. So I tell my young Croatian constituents that you know you, all you who are entering the workforce, are going to be uh, participating in repaying. Money yep. that will be spent over the next four or five years. Little do they know, you know what's what's really, uh, you know, behind the scenes and how this deal was uh, orchestrated. And so there's That's a lot true. of um, there's a lot of de- risks in this. Um, Croatians tend to be, um, you know, I would say too. Um, uh, they have too much uh, confidence in these, uh, you know, supernational um structures and i'm much more uh you know skeptical and of course there's always the danger of centralized power as you said yeah. these unelected bureaucrats who you know aren't accountable to anyone uh, are making far reaching decisions on 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 our behalf well what's shocking to me is that you've got a country as you said that emerged from an
1: overarching controlling super governmental organization in the soviet union they got their freedom and yes. yet you know in such a short time they've rushed to get back under the boot of a massive multinational yes. organization that has taken yes. away their individuality i mean how did yes. this I, I don't understand how this could happen so quickly and then second part of the of what i wanted to ask is you you mentioned younger constituents so do you see those younger people now pushing back because i seem to have seen more of this now as the the next generation pushing back on this and saying no more of
0: this Yes, there is some of that, but unfortunately, many of them are simply leaving the country. So Uh one problem we have (laughs) is this brain drain. Uh, We just recently had our uh, latest census figures uh, published, um, and the population has declined by almost ten percent over the last ten years. So we're um, in—it's an alarming trend, and uh, it it isn't just uh, Croatia; it's many of the other. Uh, poor EU members uh, you know have similar problems but it's it's especially acute here we're the newest uh, EU member and many of our uh, young people who aren't uh, patient or uh, unhappy with the crony system that we have uh, in Croatia itself are looking elsewhere uh, Ireland for example and um, you know, of course, Germany and countries that are closer, Austria, uh, but they're continuing to leave. The ones that are staying, I'm, ho- I'm hopeful, will uh, be very vocal in uh, pushing back. Um, mm-hmm. One of the reasons uh, for this, you know, um, push into uh, the EU, I think, can be explained by what I would describe as a, a inferiority complex. You know, Croatians. Uh, have this uh, sense that we're, uh, we have to make up for a lot of lost time. Um, Of course. It's like Napoleon syndrome a little bit there too, you know,
1: small country and we want to be respected and on the world stage. kind
0: of of a Rodney Dangerfield uh, complex, you know, gets no respect. (laughs) Uh, We we, we deserve, I think, more respect. It's a, it's a great country that uh, fought a fierce war of independence Mm-hmm. And uh, against all odds, was able to uh, defend its uh, territory and later um, liberate its territory in 1995. That that could be a you know a topic for Hollywood filmmakers because mm-hmm. it was really a dramatic struggle in 1991. But since then, I think your point: we we should value our uh, freedom and sovereignty more than we do. And we should have more, as time goes on, a self-confidence in running our own affairs. That's what I see. As uh, an MP, um, I am pleased to say I'm the first American-born uh, MP that's been elected here in Croatia. And uh, it's an honor for me, really an honor, to uh, serve the Croatian people. Uh, but I would say that we need to you know, really cultivate this Attitude that we can run our own affairs; we don't have to, by default, follow the lead of these uh, uh, bigger countries. Because, frankly, you know what's a priority in Germany or France doesn't necessarily have to be a priority here.
1: Right, exactly. And by the way, so tell us a little bit more about how you got to be the first American PM in Croatian history. Because you know, you said you moved over there; you were inspired. And when you moved over there, was it just that you were inspired by, as you said, this? this freedom, this initiative, this opportunity that was presented as they broke off from the Soviets. And then later on, a few years gained, you know, of course, you know, with the war gained their sovereignty, defended your territory. Was that the inspiration for you going there? Was it, uh, that you, you met somebody beautiful. It's Croatia, by the way, I know a little something about the ladies there. Just having been to Olympic games, Croatian has unbelievably beautiful women just as a yes. whole, unbelievably beautiful. Yes. So what inspired you to go over there and, and how did you become, this PM, how did you convince these these crazy Croatians to uh, to vote for an American that's probably even crazier than they are?
0: <laughs> that's that's an interesting uh, question. I made me have lost my uh, Missouri accent, but I still speak Croatian with a heavy uh, uh, really? <laughs> accent from abroad. So they they so know i <laughs> You have no accent home anymore. <laughs> no, they know I'm not homegrown here. They know I'm kind of a, a foreigner. But I—it's a combination of things. I did meet my wife later after several years, and I have a, a family here with four children in Zagreb. Uh, but initially, it was more of uh, you know my imagination uh, running wild. I was 22. <laughs> Um, I'm lucky now when I look in hindsight that I had no student loans to, uh, repay. So I had an undergrad degree with, uh, without any student debt. So, uh, mm-hmm. that was probably something that I, in hindsight, um, am very grateful for that I was, I could afford to actually, you know, be patient and, uh, and stay in a country that was, uh, you know, going through a very difficult time in 19- you know, in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, yeah but i was i will say at a personal level i was very inspired by the effort of uh, so many um you know young uh, people who were living you know their you know everyday lives and then suddenly were uh, confronted with uh, you know an ominous threat uh, to their livelihood to their you know existence and they were they stood up and uh, many um, were really uh, you know, heroic in this uh, struggle for independence. And uh, they weren't um, professional soldiers. Uh, they were fighting literally for their towns and villages. And so I felt, uh, you know, in a way, a moral obligation to do something. Um, many of them uh, became close friends of mine um, through the years. And so uh, that's one thing that, you know, I I should say that, you know, when we compare with other countries in Central Europe, Croatia paid a very high price uh, to uh, gain its independence uh, through this war. And it was actually occupied uh, until 1995. So part of this Mm -hmm. time, even in May of 1995, the capital city was shelled by the center of the city was shelled by Serbs who were only about uh, 40 miles away. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, you had civilians being killed in the center of Zagreb at 10 Um, a.m. You know, it it could have been me. It could have been me. I I was, you know, here at the time walking the streets. And so it was still a very uh, precarious time. Um, But when I look back now, 30 years later, it was really a, um, you know, uh, unique uh, historical moment that uh, kind of when you look at the American uh, experience, uh, you know, Croatia went through its founding, um, you know, just 30 years ago, and and has and has achieved its own statehood after centuries. And so, mm-hmm. what uh, what's more, kind of remote for your average American, what happened in the late 18th century. Uh, you know happened recently in uh, in Croatia, so we had fascinating discussions about national identity about what it means to be a croatian uh, how to uh, cope with the communist legacy um, we um, didn't uh, we didn't implement this policy of lustration. Uh, like Eastern Germany did, for example, where the former communists uh, basically who were in positions of, uh, you know, uh, of power, judges or in the secret police, they weren't able to um, hold public office after. Yeah, seize those power here Croatia, back. Here in Croatia, we didn't go through anything similar. So basically, uh, what I have to say is that uh, former communists were running the show. Uh, basically uh, here and and the privatization process it's interesting from a uh, philosophical point of view Marx he uh, taught that uh, you know his uh, ideology would create kind of a new noble uh, man who would be mm-hmm. unselfish and not greedy <laughs> and not interested in property. But the fact is, is that what, what I've seen firsthand is that the communists, once the system collapsed, were very interested in property, very, very interested oh, yeah. in, in, in grabbing as much as they could. So it was basically a big lie, uh, I would say, to your younger viewers who are, you know, maybe worried about this creepy socialism in America, that they should uh, look carefully at the evidence and what these other countries went through, because it wasn't a pretty picture.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, and there's two, there's a couple of things I wanted to pull from what you just said. Number one is that that experience of experiencing somebody shelling you, experiencing walking through the streets and actually being attacked, is something that. As you said, Americans have no concept of, unless you've actually gone off to war and been shipped off to God knows where, as our military and our, our domestic you know, foreign policy likes to do, you know, ship people off to destinations that really don't impact us directly. Causing uh, a lot of
0: harm, causing a causing lot of harm,
1: yes. untold harm to millions. Yeah. But the everyday American, really, other than nine eleven, has no concept of being attacked and, and has very little risk of being attacked. So when we have these foreign policy decisions made, the everyday American, it's, it's as though it's, it's a different world, a different reality as opposed to somebody in Croatia that has experienced that direct conflict recently. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is you mentioned this transition into the privatization and I'm fascinated to hear how that went coming out because we look to people that they go, well, how would you live without government? And, you know, we can t- look at Somalia, which had overarching, you know, benefit from it with little acts. You know, the only, the only downside was a little bit of a, a down downtick in water access. But, you know, this is a government that dissipated. And how did the people of Croatia respond? As you said, the communists tried to seize power and land, but how did the overall economy rebound? How did people adapt? Hey guys, a quick commercial break here. Sponsor break for two libertarians, Vanessa Abelard and her husband Carlos, two libertarians who run a CBD company you're going to enjoy. That is Paloma Verde CBD. Let me spell that for you so you can know where to find it P A L O M A V E R D E CBD.com. Now, you can use the promo code ROAR to get 25% off your order of $75 or more. Free shipping, though, so that's awesome. To help support libertarian causes, libertarian entrepreneurs, and also this show. Let me tell you about these products. These are premium grade, THC free, and with mostly organic ingredients. They've got some mink tinctures that are fantastic. On about 20 minutes, last four to six hours, guys. Green apple gummies, also strawberry lemonade. Those will last about six to eight hours as well. Fast-acting, everyday soft gels, 10 milligrams. Those will hit you fast and hard if you're in pain, if you need some relief quick. And of course, they also have their salves. I'm looking forward to this. Mark is still hoarding it. I'm going to go over and non-aggressively, non-aggression principally, punch him in the face. <laughs> but I do want to use this solve on my sore knee, this eucalyptus lavender solve. But anyway, guys, check them out. Great company. Support libertarianism. Support us and support them. Go to palomaverdecbd.com. Remember, use that promo code ROAR for 25% off your order of $75 or more and free shipping.
0: Well, it's it's. I could talk for hours about this because it just was a great a showcase of human nature really you 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 see what human beings are uh, programmed uh, for what we're what we're like and what a a, a backward uh, system uh, can do that distorts you know reality and uh, and undermines um, you know virtue really it, it was a big lie and people were rewarded for going along with it you know so you could just get in trouble if you spoke the truth or if you um, if you uh, refuse to yield to, you know, mm-hmm. pressure from the party, so there was a lot of conforming. Unfortunately, people got used to uh, living under that system. Many people uh, fled, like my parents. Of course, they left uh, communist Yugoslavia to come to America, but the ones that were stayed, uh, that stayed behind, were, I think, treated so. Uh, unjustly and they're, they're victims, whether they like it or not. It's, it's a painful reality for many, this kind of introspection to look back at your, at your personal life because you, you know, they didn't live in a, in a free country. They weren't able to, uh, speak their opinions to, mm-hmm. um, grow really as, as free human beings. And so it's, a, it's a sad story, but the, the, the good news is that when, when it collapsed, there was enough, um, You know, uh, there was enough strength in the society that we got by uh, even through a war uh, without, um, you know, major uh, government, you would say, you know, intervention. The economy was basically falling apart, being privatized Uh, even more dramatically in neighboring Bosnia and Herzegovina, where the Croatian part um, in southwest Bosnia, it's the uh, part of Bosnia called Herzegovina, where um, predominantly Croats live. They had literally no institutions, no functioning institutions in 1992. The country was completely uh, dedicated uh, to this war effort. And uh, what I can say is that from a libertarian point of view, it vindicates, this experience there vindicates This uh, view of uh, very limited government. In other Mm -hmm. words, where you have intact families, where you have children being raised by both father and mother, where you have low crime, where you have um, basically a, uh, you know, a a solid work ethic and basic honesty. Uh, You don't need big government. Many, many businesses grew during this time because there was Mm -hmm. almost no taxation uh they they weren't paying taxes to to anyone they were just trying to survive and uh, may, maybe paying a monthly fee to you know fund the military and that was done on a very informal basis there were no you right. know laws in force and I was going to yeah. ask
1: on that. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I just that was yeah. the other thing is we talk about as well, you know, this massive military spending budgets we have and how the average the average liberal will argue that we don't need guns because why would an American need a gun? And also that a gun will not defend you against the government. But here we've got an example of privatization of people finding their way of creating an economy when the government collapses and... Winning a war, defending their territory without a massive, met- you know, a massive military backing
0: behind. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I would say it is also a vindication for the Second Amendment because if there's no right to bear arms and only the state has uh, the right to use uh, force, then Croatians would have simply been uh, destroyed. Com- completely yep. destroyed because all the weapons, legally speaking, were on the Serb side, and so it is an argument for uh, self-defense. Uh, many of these weapons that were being acquired were being um, uh, bought uh, illegally uh, on the black market because there was an embargo being enforced uh, on the country, and so it was it was really a, a you know tremendous effort to even acquire. The necessary uh, arms to you know to defend ourselves, and this was this was done in you know in in really uh, remarkable ways, very very resourceful. Uh, but I will say it is a, an argument for uh, the Second Amendment because had we not armed uh, or had the right to defend ourselves, basically we would have been overrun by the uh, communist Yugoslav army. That's the that's mm-hmm. the that's the you know uh, simple fact. Uh, but it, it is. A case where, again, I would say if you have, um, you know, a functioning, um, family structure more or less, and you have, um, you know, basic, um, Personal responsibility and self-reliance—you know, people not looking uh, for to the government to bail them out, or this—you uh, know, not this entitlement attitude that exists, unfortunately, in the United States as well. Um, you can you can thrive even under you know very difficult circumstances. So many of the best companies today that are uh, doing well in Bosnia and Herzegovina emerged. During this period, there was, you know, still a possibility to trade with Croatia, with with other countries. It it wasn't easy, but many of them, because of uh, very low regulation, obviously, and taxation, were able to build up their own companies. And society did not fall apart, even though the country around them was was basically uh, non-existent, didn't have any uh, institutions to speak of. Uh, Croatia was a little different. I will say that this uh, tendency for you know, uh, closed behind-the-scenes uh, deals, uh, crony deals, uh, being um, you know, managed by uh, people who knew each other very well and were uh, more than willing to leverage their, their positions of influence, um, that, that you know was happening on a large scale. So it was very, um, when you look back now, not transparent, uh, not fair. Uh, your average Croatian coming from America or Canada or Australia with uh, capital who wanted to invest was not playing on a on a level playing field at yeah, the time because yeah. there were so so many inside insider deals and that goes for all the countries in Eastern Europe not just not just Croatia but we've we've now i would say consolidated uh, i would say there's not enough economic freedom still we still have a lot of uh, uh, you know of our gdp controlled by the by the state and we have too many public companies that are controlled by the politicians so i'm fighting this this battle uh, basically it's a um, you know typical a free market uh, fight. Uh, I like to use the term free economy, not so much capitalism. Capitalism uh, is almost like a dirty word here. Yeah, I they, know
1: they've they've made it. it, it, it they've, they, the Democrats or the I should say the Democrats, the progressives have made it fairly successful to demonize capitalism without delineating crony capitalism versus real capitalism. So I yeah, think that's a good idea to to shift it's that. Basically,
0: <laughs> crony capitalism is what it is right. in Croatia.
1: You yeah, know, well, everywhere for the most part, you know, when I mean, we look at the US and, and really anywhere, it's crony capitalism run roughshod, especially during COVID. But tell me a little bit more about some of the specific things you're trying to do in Croatia. And I still need to hear, see, this has been a fascinating conversation, which is, you know, we're, we're I, I got my bullets I want to hit because so I still want to hear how you got elected. <laughs> well, but, to, you know, say, so you don't want to tell me about that first, or do you want to tell me about what you're working on now that you are elected?
0: <laughs> well, I, I will just say um, my main, uh, Item now action item on the uh, legislative front is um, uh, a bill I'm planning uh, to uh, propose uh, in the in the Parliament designed to protect free speech on social media. So th- I'm I'm very alarmed by the level of censorship by these fact checkers, uh, especially during the uh, COVID epidemic. It's it's very bad. Um, People are not able to uh, read, you know, uh, alternative uh, views or opinions on how to uh, combat this uh, uh, COVID virus. It's basically an official narrative that's being, uh, you know, repeated on a daily basis by the uh, government and, uh, you know, people in the media. And so I'm very um, concerned by by this and I want to um, rein in. Uh, you know, the power of these uh, fact checkers, because, you know, it is a a basic uh, right, uh, you know, constitutionally protected right that you can uh, share your opinions, even if they may be uh, wrong uh, on occasion, you, you have a right to express them and not be censored by these anonymous fact checkers who are not scientists, who are not experts in the field of uh, epidemiology. Activists for the most part, government, government stooges are activists. And and they don't conceal their bias, uh, you know, for the left, they don't conceal Mm -hmm. it. So it's, it's something on my mind. And even, you know, it's a small country, people say, how are you going to take on these big tech giants? I think, uh, you know, Croatia can in fact, uh, you know, provide an example for others if we um, uh, can, you know, work out legislation that addresses this in in a proper yeah. way, because it's it's really a, a tremendous abuse of power, I would say.
1: And again, I have to go back to the fact that we're talking about a country. Which, again, you'd think the population would demand an independence and a a freedom of speech, knowing what government narratives do, knowing how much government lies coming from, again, the communist environment, social, the uh, Soviets, where it was one narrative, no ability to speak out, no ability to speak your mind. Even as you were discussing earlier, you'd think this would be a passionate point for most people in Croatia to say we have to have this ability.
0: It, it is for some, it is for some, but I will say uh, it's ironic, but in a way, this kind of soft uh, totalitarianism is totalitarianism is more difficult to uh, fight than communism was. Communism was very mm-hmm. unattractive and it was in many ways brutal. Uh, you were simply, you know, um, arrested or even killed if you were on the wrong side. Uh, of an argument um even inside the communist party there were purges where communists themselves uh, ended up in prison or or uh, or killed so it was it was a very um you know ugly reality and that on its own um you know created a lot of uh, resistance but you know it's much more difficult to fight um you know these uh, big tech giants uh, you know the the google and youtubes of the world because they they don't present such a um, you know, uh, uh an awful, you know, face, uh, you know, yeah. ha- at least at first glance, and so it's it's right. kind of free, a more three difficult... services
1: everybody uses and loves, and uh, and yeah, the exactly. fun logo, yeah, yeah hiding. Exactly. It's like Dar- it's like Darth Vader, you know. It's like Darth Vader used to be Luke Skywalker, everybody, or not Luke he yeah. used to be uh, whatever <laughs> Luke's father, whatever his name Luke's was, father, Anakin yeah. Skywalker, yeah, and then he turned into Darth Vader. Turns out there's a dark side to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there there is a dark side, and I would I would say that Croatians should be more. Uh, awake uh, to this uh, danger that, than they are. Many of them maybe are just uh, afraid, and they don't want to, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to bother with this. I will say it was one of the reasons I, I got into politics to answer your question. I, mm-hmm. I my profession is, uh, you know, teaching. I I'm I a professor of uh, political philosophy here at a Catholic university. Uh, it's also a relatively new institution, about ten years old and that's what i was doing for a living up until uh this election in 220 and um i thought again um you know uh, why not uh you know if i if i'm elected maybe i can uh, leave a mark and make a you know at least a small difference uh so i after speaking with my family i decided to uh, enter the campaign um and i and i realized you know it is um a country still of um you know with lo- many problems but also uh, opportunity you know i, I will say I, I had a happy life in america but it was difficult to imagine me being elected to congress <laughs> or, or you know the senate uh coming from uh, a relatively small city in in missouri but here here that kind of um you know uh possibility obviously is uh, is you know not not just in your in your uh, uh imagination and i had a very I would say, a forward-looking campaign. I was uh, talking about how I uh, imagine Croatia in the future, that I dream of it as a country where, you know, success won't depend on uh, party membership or, you know, to connections uh, in in the government, but on merit and on hard work. And that that obviously resonated with, with a lot of people. Um, they, they had known my views from the past, uh, also on different issues where I was quite outspoken as a, you know, academic, mm-hmm. um, but it's a different world in politics. And I'm obviously following, uh, what's going on, uh, you know, in the world and, uh, and here on a regular basis, you have to be media savvy because, uh, you know, much of the, um, uh, media establishment isn't, you know, sympathetic to, uh, you know, my, my point of view on economics, they tend to lean uh, more to the left also on social issues. But, you know, I would say uh, my um, success has been, uh, ha- is due to uh, being sincere. You know, I really mm-hmm. speak what what I believe, and I do that, uh, you know, consistently. And I think the journalists and people, everyday people um, uh, know that. And uh, so I, I have really, I would say, uh, I'm There's two kinds of politicians. Uh, uh, Nigel Farage, once I, I was watching an interview on Brexit, and he said there's two kinds of politicians. The first, and it's the bigger group, they want to be somebody. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's their motivation for entering politics. The other group is much smaller. They're the people who want to actually do something and aren't so interested in uh, power as as such. And uh, I think his example with the Brexit fight, you know, he doesn't hold any high position in, in Britain um, today. But he uh, almost, you know, just by the power of his arguments and his personality led this push to, Uh, get the country out of the EU, which is a huge achievement. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, there are, I I would like to think of myself as a politician who wants to do something. Uh, You know, if I stay in politics, that's fine. If I go back to academia, that's also fine. But I'm in this fight to actually, you know, to try to make a difference and move the country in, in in a better direction and, you know, with more, you know, opportunity and economic freedom.
1: Well, I will say I'm sad to hear that for your campaign you didn't lean into being a, a American from Missouri. You know, six guns, hat, ride on the uh, the horse into the you know the campaign sessions. But you know that's that's your choice. I don't know the the Croatian environment. <laughs> um, but one of the things I, I was might curious do to that hear next about,
0: time. That's an interesting uh, <laughs> idea. I might do that next time.
1: <laughs> right? You know, I don't really really make a, a statement to people. But I I'm curious to hear as you said, the, the media is going to be very left-leaning. I think no matter what, it's a universal, right? It's just the media is left-leaning and and so many people in, in so far as how they imbibe media now choose to get their media from specific sources that, that buy into that. But what I'm curious to hear about is, you know, in the United States, so many times, no matter what topic you're trying to argue against, no matter what your policy perspectives are, they will come at you with the same derogatory attempts to discredit your character. Now, in Croatia, I was curious to see, what do they do? Do people come at you with attacks? Can they call you racist? You know, is there enough of a, a diversity in there that they can call you racist? Or do they come at you with other barbs and jabs to undermine your position? Or do they actually attack you on what you're speaking to?
0: Wow, that's that's such an interesting question because um, I, I, I'm following closely what's happened in America. And I must say, I'm I'm shocked. At the um, the shift in the you know environment uh, since you know I lived there in the early nineties, so it's 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 almost uh, completely uh, not just one sided, but the debate many times is just incoherent. You're just listening yeah. to labels being thrown around, uh, people being smeared, and uh, so it's it's a very unfortunate and very dangerous, I would say, for for the country. Um, That, uh, you know, the public square uh, looks as it is in America. It's not it's not. I I would say the worst places are obviously these university campuses where they're completely uh, out of control and indoctrinating uh, students uh, at, at our expense. You know, taxpayers are funding this. And uh, they're still collecting, you know, huge amounts in tuition to indoctrinate these uh, young Americans. It just seems, you know, uh, beyond belief. Um, I I would say here um, there's there's less possibility to uh, label me because, you know, we have a different uh, background. You know, Croatians are – it's more or less a homogenous country with – you know, over 90% of the population are Croats. And so Mm -hmm. we have a few ethnic minorities, but they're also, uh, you know, European, white. And so there's no, you know, really racial angle. Yeah, You you really have to get into the
1: real nitty gritty if you want to attack somebody on that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You you, you, You you hate redhead Croatians, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you can't play the race card so easily. Um, Right. Here... I will say that the label conservative was at one point still out of the mainstream, and it was something new, and it was a term that under communism seemed very, um, you know, out of, uh, of, uh, you know, just uh, basically um, out of date and something that Mm -hmm. wasn't, uh, um, you know, in any way a positive, but it, that's changed. And so, you know, the media now commonly refers to, uh, you know, voters as conservative or different politicians as conservative. That wasn't the case 10 years ago. So I, I'm pleased with that, um, with that development. But, you know, it's, it's difficult when, um, you know, what, what you say, it, it, basically, I would say uh, two things. Socially, socially, Croatians tend to be still quite conservative. So mm-hmm. I can make my, um, you know, arguments defending the natural family, or even defending marriage as uh, a union between a man and a woman, that's politically still uh, safe territory in Croatia, unlike mm-hmm. uh, other places. But economically, when you come to uh, economics, it's it's different. Even people who are socially conservative tend to uh, expect the government to manage their lives. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. so if you're making wow. arguments from the uh, you know economically liberal point of view, and you're um, ad- advocating for uh, less government, and for example, our health our health care system has not been reformed. It's still run by the government. It's one. Uh, you know you pay in these um, uh, monthly um, uh, these uh, uh, insurance health insurance payments to the state uh, you know uh, monopoly there's no choice mm-hmm. and it's a it's a lot of money that's being mismanaged it's very inefficient but as soon as I make the argument that you know this monopoly is not a good arrangement and we need to deregulate, um, you know, I, I get attacked for being American. There's this, uh, you know, prejudice, uh, this view that in America, if um, you know you're not um, employed by a, a big company, that uh, you, you know you're, you're basically going to die. If you you're get right,
1: dead in dead in the street, uh, propped the street. up against the more dead yeah, bodies the, in the
0: pit. <laughs> that's the imagination of your average uh, uh, Croatian, and so right. being from America, that that puts me in an even more uh, difficult uh, position because essentially, you know, I, I have to persuade people that dismantling the current system is to their advantage and their mm-hmm. intuitions speak otherwise, you know, it's, it's completely against their intuitions.
1: I always find that whenever people are, are really advocating for a government run healthcare, uh, one of the most potent arguments that can be made is survival for cancer rates because you see that in the United States, people can always bash the system and say that the privatization is a problem, or that people can't get care if they need it. But the cancer survival rate in America is like the best in the world, uh, and it, I mean it outpaces any government system, even the the NHS in the UK, the who everybody loves. They, they always point to it as the model. We have five times the fi- the cancer survival rates because people can get access; they can get those services quickly. Yes, you're going to go into debt would you rather be not in debt and be dead or in debt and be alive? You know, it's a very simple well, choice for people.
0: <laughs> or or the, the uh, as far as I know, I, I don't know if it's still the case, but I know that uh, with Canadians, uh, the ca- Canadian um, government run uh, healthcare, they can, uh, in a way, afford this uh, luxury of an inefficient system because they're uh, right next door to America. So that if they right. need a surgery uh, quickly, they can go across the border and, and get treatment if necessary. Other countries, you know, you don't have that luxury. I would say yeah. that, you know, I, my father's a, a retired doctor. I have a brother who's a practicing physician back in Missouri. Um, and I tell people here and in the, in, you know, when I'm on television, when the uh, king of Saudi Arabia, you know, needs treatment. He doesn't come here. He doesn't <laughs> go even to another European country. He goes to the United States. That's where <laughs> yeah, <he goes>. Right. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's not just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. So yeah. if we want, you know, more... Uh, better treatment for dollars invested. We need to look at you know uh, you know uh, countries where this is uh, this has actually been applied. And um, I, I lived in Germany for uh, several years. My first born uh, son was born in Berlin. We had very good uh, treatment, and it was better probably than um, in in Croatia at the time. This was twenty years ago, but it was still I would say uh, under the you know. Um, average uh, uh you know hospital uh, in in the united states still mm-hmm. so um god bless america and I, and I and i'm you know i've heard you know lots of stories from friends about the disaster of obamacare and uh, so i think what the, the average croatian doesn't know is that uh how how much the health care system is regulated in the united states today they're not even aware mm-hmm of this, uh, you know, uh, shift and the billions and billions spent on Medicare and Medicaid and so on. But I, I would say that, you know, we need to, um, as uh, free market uh, advocates, we need to think carefully about how we make the arguments in the public square, because here, it will now be a uh, an urgent issue in Croatia, mm-hmm. especially after COVID. It's been a, in a very bad uh, situation. When we look at the uh, mortality rates uh, in Croatia compared with similar countries in Europe, our mortality rates are quite high. Um, and uh, some of that is because the older population was not uh, vaccinated in time, people over 70. Um, but I would say, you know, when we look at the, the care in general, you know, I pay quite a bit of money uh, every year for health care, and I get very little out of it. Maybe my children You know, get basic care at their, uh, you know, pediatrician's uh, uh, clinic. But otherwise, um, it's, you know, waiting in long lines, uh, paying, you know, a a private clinic for a test or a checkup because you don't want to wait. So we pay two or three times because it's so inefficient.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I've heard many many times over from a lot of countries with similar scenarios. By the way, while we're talking about COVID, and I know I said we were going to do 45 minutes, but let's just go the whole hour. I have to okay, I have to do thanks. a hard cut off cuz I have another I have a work call for my real job uh you know, at about 10 15 minutes, but but this is a great conversation so I don't want to stop. Let's talk about COVID. So you're natural
0: host. You're doing this very well, Brian.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I, I, flattery will get you uh, right in back to fight on the show anytime you want. Just keep Great. the flattery going. Um, no, but uh, let's talk about COVID. And what did Croatia do as far as protocols? Did did Croatia do a hard lockdown like they did in the UK or like they did here for a couple of weeks? Or did they do the more the Swedish model of, look, we're going to take precautions, but we're not going to destroy our economy. Let's keep going with daily life.
0: Yes, the, the government, I would say... Um, flirted they flirted with the idea of a of a lockdown but in the end um, resisted at least they didn't go as as you know hard as uh, other countries including neighboring Slovenia but also Austria which has been terrible. <laughs> Uh, in Germany it. and many of these other countries, horrific. Uh, and now they mm-hmm. have uh, mandatory vaccinations. It's 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 really yeah. um, they've
1: gone they've gone harder on the vaccination front. Even as the the virus has gotten less severe, they're tripling yes. down on it. It's just yes. it's it, anti science. It's insane.
0: Yes, it doesn't make any sense, and it's it's very I would say irresponsible. Um, Croatians, um, we we were lucky in a way that the government. Um, initially initially there were some you know um travel restrictions um this was in the first year 220 mm-hmm. uh, as as uh, things so i remember at Easter time uh you know almost two years ago uh you know people weren't allowed to go to mass uh, people were at home for Easter uh, so it was kind of a, a a lockdown which lasted several weeks and then that that was lifted quite quickly, uh, I mm-hmm. think already in May. Um, since then, we've fared pretty pretty well. I, I, I shouldn't be too critical of the government's uh, handling of this, although they did introduce uh, last fall these uh, COVID, um, you know, the COVID pass. That, you know, mm-hmm. you either get vaccinated or you have to get uh, tested regularly in order to go to, you know, public Uh, enter public buildings and and so on. Now, um, I I thought this was a very bad idea. It was already being, um, you know, enforced in many other countries and the numbers look terrible, Mm look terrible despite these uh, measures. So I think they were uh, counterproductive, uh, certainly counterproductive, and basically gave these uh, vaccinated people a false sense of uh, security that they uh, you know, w- wouldn't uh, contract the the virus or spread it, and in fact, that hasn't been the case. And yeah. so, even in our hospitals, I think the you know the virus has been spreading because of uh, vaccinated uh, doctors and nurses and healthcare workers who are able to come and go as they please under this under this arrangement. So, uh, that's also anti science. But it was very mm-hmm. difficult to uh, make the arguments, and in the end, in Parliament when we were debating this the the you know the final um, kind of uh, argument that the health minister was invoking was that these other countries are doing the same thing but you know it's not working i was saying why <laughs> why just because germany and austria are doing something why should we follow that seemed to be his line of thinking right you see how those guys are failing why aren't we failing better <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if, <laughs> if, if 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 you look at it economically, you know, Texas shouldn't be following California's uh, example right. on economics. <laughs> they should stay the course and welcome companies that are leaving California, obviously.
1: Yeah. Well, I one more question for you and then we'll wrap up and I want you to tell people where they can find you and follow you, talk about the uh, the think tank you're a part of. Um, but in regards to what's happening in America right now, we have the director of the CDC refusing to condemn statements made by a Supreme Court justice during a recent hearing about vaccine mandates for the work, the, the population in the workforce, uh, where she just had blatant incorrect facts, and the CDC director wouldn't correct her when asked on any pressing issues of data points regarding people with COVID COVID versus from COVID in hospitals, childhood uh, rates of COVID, vaccinated versus unvaccinated, all of these things, the CDC director will not answer questions and simply says, go get vaccinated again and again and again and again. Is it any different with the Minister of Health in Croatia? Are they more forthcoming? Are they willing to answer questions?
0: No, it's the same. It's the same, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, attitude. And I would say it's just uh, a kind of lazy, uh, bureaucratic um, attitude where they um, are accustomed to uh, not being, um, you know, uh, there, there's, there's not enough hostility, I would say, in the media mm-hmm. towards these, um, you know, officials, some of them unelected. Who are um, you know controlling our lives? And if there was a more, if there was more pushback in the media, I think they would have to be uh, more forthcoming. But they get away with this, and the media is is on board with this narrative, as I said, unfortunately. And it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable because um, you know if, I think um, Facebook has uh, here. It's very. It's a very important media uh, platform, especially for conservatives. Um, and uh, you know I, that's why I'm going to you know try to uh, introduce legislation to uh, regulate this whole uh, sphere because um, it's not it's not regulated. Basically, these fact checkers do as they please. And yeah. No one asks any questions, and they're um, abusing their power on a, on a daily basis. In, in in America, I think it's it's clear. I use the argument really of Florida here. And I said, in, in in America, we can see and compare these different approaches to the epidemic, and uh, you know, see what's working and what's not working. And yeah. uh, clearly, Florida has benefited from this more lax, uh, liberal uh, approach. And I and I commend the government, uh, Governor DeSantis, for his, uh, you know, for his fortitude and his. Um, you know, willingness to stay the course, you know, despite all of this, because, you know, it's it's not an easy thing. But here, I would say, we have had several outspoken um, authorities on the issue. Um, uh, one a scientist who um, quickly became a dissident uh, inside mm-hmm. this, uh, you know, official body uh, that was advising the government. Uh, and he's been very effective in um, you know producing uh, evidence showing that you know for example, this latest strain is uh, not dangerous and that vaccines are not working. And you know the European Union um, has ordered over 4 billion doses of vaccines up through to uh, 2023. So the question is who did they plan on vaccinating because there right. seems less and less of a point to get uh, to get the shot. So government again, Causing more harm than good. That's my main message. Um, lots of these decisions that are designed to uh, benefit us or protect us actually do more harm than good. That's again been the case in this epidemic. It's the case over and over again in economics, in uh, foreign wars. Uh, you name it. You know, government just you know causes lots of problems, and that's what you know the politicians are good at. You know, kind of playing the game. Um really, um, like I said, spending money recklessly and uh, not being held account and so that's what I'm trying to do, kind of raise the standards of the discussion and reminding people uh, of this you know age old truth that you know governments, despite you know their best intentions you know cause cause a lot of harm and I think covid is really a very good uh, case in point and and I, I commend sweden and these other countries who resisted all this pressure and uh, and have done uh, reasonably well i would say very well and have, have not you know uh, disrupted you know the lives of their people
1: yeah and I, I agree completely i think I'm very, uh, as they say, white-pilled, i.e. A, a positive on the outlook coming out of COVID. I think the last year, everything that's happened has woken more people up. I think it's going to be inspiring Good. to a generation Good. that it's going to be a defining point where we're going to see more freedom, more liberty, more privatization, and pushback against government narrative and censorship because of Good. this. So I'm, I'm very excited Good. for it. Good. And it's Good. funny, <laughs> you talk about government creating problems. Well, naturally, they have to create problems because if we didn't have any problems, what would we need government for to solve the problems?
0: <laughs> well, there, there you go. I mean, I, I teach my students uh, on a regular basis on, you know, the American experience. And when I tell them, for example that there was absolutely no income tax, federal income tax in the United States up until, I think, 1913 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really uh, shocked. It's difficult for them to even imagine that a country was able to prosper for so long without that kind of uh, federal taxation. So, you know, we, we just have to learn, you know, from from history and have faith in, uh, you know, the, the um, uh, ingenuity of uh, of people, of everyday people, who, when they're allowed to uh, freely, to freely, um, you know, uh, uh, work out their uh, lives and to, you know, uh, use their talents in a responsible way, you know, countries prosper and, and look at look at China, it's still a communist tyranny. It's still harassing its people, mistreating them, but they know that, you know, there's no alternative to, you know, uh, a private property and allowing people to invest and to make money. The irony is, is that all these people in the United States who believe that China would change and become more liberal with this engagement and this trade with China, the opposite really has happened. Unfortunately, the United States, through a censorship of big tech, in in China, it's the party, Communist Party, that does the censoring. But in America, it's, uh, you know, corporations, but the end result is the same. You have less freedom, you have more control over the debate. And uh, so, you know, that's one thing I really regret, that America in some ways looks more like China than the reverse.
1: I completely agree. Well, I think that people, what if they've heard today from you, your story, and... A, I think you've given people on the libertarian and conservative side of things great arguments moving forward, talking about Croatia, talking about how you said this is a pure vindication of Second Amendment rights, of the ability to thrive without government, the ability to win wars without government. I think there's so much today that we talked about that my my
0: audience is just going to absolutely love. So tell them where
1: can they find you, where so, they can follow you, etc. My, et
0: my uh, Facebook uh, page is Stephen uh, Nikola uh, Bartulica. Uh, Stephen, Nicola Bartulica, my, uh, NGO is called, uh, Center Zaubnovo Kultura. It's on the screen. It's, uh, cok.hr is the website. And we're also, uh, on Facebook. Uh, doing uh, events, we have the free market uh, road show, the Croatian leg in uh, in May. So I'll extend an invitation now. I have the date; it's May 11th. If you can make it into your schedule, you're um, more than welcome to come here to uh, speak in, uh, in May.
1: I would love to come and speak. I will try my best to get over there, and I appreciate and we'll the go invite. To the coast.
0: I'll, I'll throw in I'll throw in some perks. We'll go to the coast for a couple of days after the ho, event. Ho. I love it. And as
1: you know, I, I've seen Croatia. I was talking about the women earlier, but I'll tell you, I mean, I watched Below Deck, which is a show about sailing on yachts and they were in Croatia this past season. And oh my fantastic. God, I didn't it's even fantastic. know how beautiful it was. It's fantastic. unbelievable. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you, Stephen. This has been um, absolutely fascinating. And for my audience out there, I will link to everything Stephen just talked about on the show notes page, which is at lionsofliberty.com forward slash Episodes slash ELL 263. So I'll put all those links in there and in the show notes that you'll listen to on the podcast. Steven, it was a pleasure. I look forward to hopefully seeing you in Croatia, but if not, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show. And uh, thank you for everything you're doing uh, for me, for liberty and for the uh, wonderful people of Croatia.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Brian. God bless. Goodbye.
1: All right. And for you guys out there, so that's it for me from Stephen from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty.